Greetings, Trinitarians. This podcast is possible partly because of Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary in Evansville, Indiana. If you're interested in beginning your theological academic journey at Trinity, contact us at trinitysem, that's trinitysem.edu today. Greetings and welcome to another edition of Trinity Radio. I'm Jonathan Pritchett. Along with me is Braxton Hunter. And today we are going to talk about why I'm a Jehovah's Witness. Not Braxton, not me, but this guy on the internet and Prince was. We got Dr. Braxton Hunter, pretty talented and well-known apologist, shared the stage with the William Lane Craigs to the Mike Laconas to all those guys. Jonathan Pritchett, Dr. Pritchett is here, and he is a New Testament guy, does a lot of stuff, a lot of podcasts, a lot of debates, so on and so forth. You can go out of this room tonight and be a Christian apologist. Now, it may not be that you're able to give the answers, but you know, you can be immediately when we're done here tonight, you can be an answer finder for people. We need to stand up and tell men and, and more and more women, God is smarter than you. And there are consequences for all of these actions. So why don't you stop for a moment and think, you don't know what's best for you compared to what God knows is best for you. All right, we are on episode 21, I believe, of season eight of Trinity Radio. And this season has been the Wyma series for the most part. Mm -hmm. And the Wyma series is where we take someone's claims on the internet of why they're a whatever, uh, why I'm an atheist, why I'm a Muslim, why I'm whatever, and we respond to those claims. Which doesn't. We, here's the thing that I've liked about this. It means that we're doing actual real apologetics, as we've said before, like we're responding to real people. Yeah, and this is very important because even though most people watch our videos that either have Calvinism in the title or this recent one where we just answered a bunch of random questions, yeah. these things actually matter. You should yeah. actually share more of this stuff right. because it has more to do with you know right. what you're likely to do, and we care about evangelism, and you need to know how to talk to these people. Yeah, Because they're talking to us through video. But right? here's what I don't like about it. Okay. The, the only thing I don't like about the Wyma, and I've looked for ways to fix it without having two-hour-long Leighton Flowers-style videos, <laughs> but is you don't get to go real deep with any particular group. Like, you don't get to like, well, because we're responding to what they say. Yeah, we we don't get, necessarily respond to everything or give a yeah. comprehensive understanding of the worldview. Yeah, yeah, but if you want a comprehensive picture of their worldview and how to respond to it, you come to Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary and take Braxton Hunter's Engaging the Cults class, which I, I think, um, was it Brandon Morris or somebody who took it here recently on Facebook? And I'm sure that he could tell you how awesome it was. You know. I hope so. And uh, I have had people say that it's been helpful. So we do appreciate that. But for example, in this episode, when we, here's, so here's what I do to try to remedy that. In a lot of these Wyma episodes, I try to give you a little bit of a background about the particular worldview, even though we're not really going to be talking about some of the real nook and cranny details. In this episode, I'd like to talk a lot you more about for a degree to get Charles. Yeah. I'd like to talk more <laughs> in this one about Charles Taze Russell. Um, and, and we will talk a little bit about him, but in the cults class, I spend a lot of time on Charles Taze Russell mm -hmm. because it's kind of important to see how cults, one of the things we are trying to accomplish in that class is to show not only the commonalities among most cults, but to show, you know, some of the things that, that happened during the development of a cult, uh, that you can watch out for. And so we spend a lot of time on Russell and we're not going to do as much in this one. So sorry about that, but that's, um... That's just the nature of the beast. So, all right, let's um, let's go ahead and jump right in here. And I've linked the video that we're responding to in the well. We're not going to make notes. cheap jokes about knocking on our door at seven in the morning, giving us Watchtower magazines with Jesus hanging on a pole and all. Of have you actually had that happen? Yeah, of course. Do you have an experience you that you'd like to a, relate? Because I have a, an excellent experience I'd like to relate. Well, if you no, I have a horrible experience. You woke me up <laughs> at seven in the morning. Not me, I didn't. Well, not you, but the Jehovah's Witness people with a watchtower where Jesus is hanging on a pole like this. And yeah, because like, he didn't hang on a cross, yeah, right? right? It's dumb. It's dumb. Um, it. Yeah, it, you know. I'm sorry. That's dumb. There's like no historical anything for this. Right. Uh, do you want to say more things while I try to look up our I don't Patreon like being list? mean, but uh, sorry. There's just You set yourself up for that. Jesus didn't die on a pole. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, he did, but it had a crossbar. Right. <laughs> but you know what I mean. And, yeah. And, okay. And and, and and John one one New World Translation. It's just. Oh, well, let's jump right in right there. Okay. Uh, well, first let's do a little bit of background. Uh, okay. Charles Taze Russell. Russell became an early critic of organized religion and began a printing career. Now, what is one thing that I just said that we know is a commonality of cults? If you want to get a cult off the ground, what have you got to do a lot of, Internet or Jonathan Pritchett? Put out propaganda. You've got to put out that propaganda, and you got to put it out like hotcakes. Yeah, you just publish and you put out propaganda. Yeah, and while you're talking louder than you are, um, Scientology is one that we're that is known for that. Is that your hint I mean, to talk closer I, to the yeah, light? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that um, one of show hints? That was a very subtle, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a professional here. Uh, but well, I just killed that. You know, for example, we, we, when we did Scientology uh, up here, uh, L. Ron Hubbard was known for this. I mean, he is in the Guinness Book of World Records, as we said in that show, in four categories. Most published works by one author, most audiobooks published by one author, most translated author in the world, and most translated author of the same book. So, so you publish a lot of stuff, and Charles Taze Russell hits that one yeah. to a T. Um, so if you want to get a cult now, off the ground, and here's another thing about that. We're going to get to the New World Translation in a minute. Um, but one thing that you've got to do also is, or I don't guess you've got to do this, but it's really helpful and really common in these cults is you've got to say something like these writings that we're producing a lot of are basically scripture. Like you don't want to say they're actually inspired in here scripture because that comes with a whole bunch of problems, right. you know, like inconsistencies yeah. and things like that. But you want to say they're basically scripture. Yeah. That's how that goes. Where are you going to say something? No. Okay. So he was, but he was a documented liar regarding marketing campaigns. He tried to sell something called the Miracle Wheat um, that was a Miracle Wheat. And he, but it wasn't. <laughs> he had, he, he exaggerated his preaching events. And this is demonstrable places that he went in the world where he claimed certain things happened. And then we find out that they didn't. So he, uh, also, there's a great, uh, there's a great transcript of a court. Uh, situation where he he's claims to be this Greek scholar, and they put these Greek just uh, just Greek characters in front of him, and he can't tell you what they are. He can't read the Greek and all that. So it's a big it's a big it's an egg on his face. It's an egg on his very You're right. Same thing face. with the New World Translation. They won't ever tell you who the translation committee is. Right, yeah. and it wasn't Charles Taze Russell. Right. Probably worse. Just making it up. <clears throat> you take the King James and you make it say what you want. And there you go. <laughs> his ordination uh, and his knowledge of languages, we talked about that, uh, all problems there. Uh, through his publications, he was able to propagate his doctrines. All right, so that's Charles Taze Russell. Like I said, there's a lot more to say about Russell, but it's it's not, we don't have time to do it. So let's just skip ahead. But the kingdom halls look pretty uniform from town to town, so there's that. They do, and uh, the, have you ever been inside a kingdom hall? I have not. I haven't either, but they have... Often, multiple congregations meeting in the same, well, not often, but in some places, multiple congregations meeting in the same kingdom hall. Um, uh, I guess that's a, a good use of space. I mean, hey, you got you to cut corners where you can. Yeah. All right, but then following him was Joseph Franklin Rutherford. Uh, he was a judge who followed Russell as head of the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. By the way, Watchtower Bible and Tract Society still in existence. Uh, still printing and still uh, putting Jesus down on the pole on the cover. <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, and they're ready to be passed out to you at seven in the morning. But sometimes you'll hear the, on a Saturday. the JWs, the Jehovah's Witnesses, referred to as the Watchtower people or the Watchtower Society or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's because that's their big printing arm. Yeah. Um, I May mean, at least the Mormons come in the afternoon. But here you go. Frank Joseph Franklin Rutherford claimed to be the mouthpiece, quote, the mouthpiece of Jehovah. So uh, big claim. Uh, if you if you want someone claiming to speak uh, like ex cathedra sort of uh, or it's, it's it's probably worse than that. All right, Rutherford's writings were spread more widely and quickly than ever Russell's had been. So real aggressive guy here. But here's the real fun part and the last particular human being that we're going to highlight in the history of the Jehovah's Witnesses, Nathan Knorr. Nathan Knorr was the third president of the Watchtower Society, and he commissioned the New World Translation. Completed in 1961. Get a real Bible. 
nor made organizational changes and placed a greater emphasis on global missions. Now, the, the, I, I, this is kind of funny. Fellow Trinity Commission member Steve Gregg was coming here to teach uh, last year about that time. This is my computer, I'm sorry. Uh, last year about this time, and he, uh, and he asked me, he sent me, he said, do you guys use a particular translation of the Bible? So me being the jovial character that I am, I write back and I said, uh, most, you know, modern, most, you know, well-known translations are fine. Just we prefer that you not use the New World translation. And, I, I, you know, I was confident Steve Gregg knows what the New World, and he does, you know, obviously. But he writes back and he says, <laughs> it's just funny because it's Steve Gregg. He's like, the, the humor is there. Like, he's a funny guy, but often it's very subtle. Mm -hmm. And he just responds with, I wasn't planning to use the New World translation. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't think you were. It's a joke, Steve. Um, but uh, but yeah, I've got another funny Steve the Hippie, uh, Steve Gregg uh, comment here. So yesterday my dad comes in and he asks me and you, uh, Jonathan, he says, I'm sorry for this little detour, but he, but he asks, he said, now you two apologists, you ought to know these things. You know the Bible backward and forward, right? And he says, so um, what I want to know is uh, who were, can you name any of the spies that did not recommend yeah, the going spies, into it, it the was, promised land. Yeah, it wasn't name all 10. It was right. name at least one. Yeah, well, like we all know Joshua and Caleb, but aside from right. those, like of the of the naysayers, right. can you name even one of them? Right. And we were My like, first question was, does it name them? And he's like, yes, it names them. And, and Jonathan like, knew the answer, right? No. No, Jonathan did not know the <laughs> I answer. I couldn't come up with one on the spot. And I said, I know someone who I'm confident would know the answer. Oh, I said, if anybody knows the answer, just off yeah. the cuff like that, I'll bet you Steve Gregg would know the answer. So I texted Steve Gregg, and I said, uh, you'll think this is funny, and I presented it to him. And, and Steve Gregg responds with, he would have stumped me. I would have to, I would have to look them up. I would, however, know off the top of my head where to find the list, dot, 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 which is almost as useful, but does not nullify your dad's valid point. This <laughs> <laughs> is so Steve Gregg, man. I love Steve Gregg. If you haven't checked out The Narrow Path, you, need you to totally need to Narrow check path. out The Narrow Path. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, the New World Translation. Uh, I had, when I was pastoring in McMinnville, Tennessee, a, a couple of these, or yeah, two, it was two at first, of these guys show up on my door. And so I talked with them and I asked them principally two questions. Now I was not uh, a Christian apologist really at that point, but I knew enough to ask these two questions. I said, uh, number one, tell me what you believe about Jesus. Because as I always say, and is written on the bottom of this poster here, if, if you're wrong about Jesus, it doesn't matter what you're right about. Right. And then uh, secondly, I asked them who printed or who, who uh, translated the New World Translation of the Bible, because all our other modern translations, you just open it up in the front, and it'll tell you like everything about the printing and the process and who they were and all that stuff. So I said, I need to know who it is. Uh, to you know, I was saying I'm not a Greek scholar. Tell me who who these people were. And he said, Well, I don't know, but I'm confident we that I can find out for you. And I and me knowing already, I'm confident you can't tell right. me. Who it is. Yeah. I said, Yeah, that's great. So you come back and visit me again and tell me. Who's doing? Yeah. Tell me about Jesus and tell me about. So he shows back up and he says, I can't tell you who, who it was, but that's only because we don't want them to get arrogant by having their names popularized because it's God's word, not their word. It's like, okay, well, but doesn't that smell a little fishy to you? You know, and it, I guess it didn't. Um, now, 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 teachable moment here. Okay. That is the kind of sanctimonious, pseudo pious stuff that you try to use to gloss over your issues, right? Yeah. If you're not going to put up with it from Jehovah's Witnesses, don't put up with it from evangelicals either. And evangelicals try to do the same kind of stuff with trying to sound uber pious and pseudo sanctimonious. And it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts when the Jehovah's Witnesses do it. It drives me nuts when evangelicals do it. If you're not going to tolerate it from them, don't tolerate it from evangelicals. Right. I, I just wanted to throw that out there because evangelicals are guilty of this pseudo pious, sanctimonious blather try to cover up for flaws. Right. And so that's an important thing to say. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not giving, I'm not going to criticize the Jehovah's Witnesses for nonsense without picking on our own folks who do that. That's why some people get in debates with me and they try to sound all spiritual and stuff. And then I just run right over it. And they're like, what do you mean? We blah, 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 blah. And I'm sorry. I'm impervious to it. I don't care how sanctimonious and, and holy you sound. <laughs> Doesn't mean a thing to me. Yeah. We're having a debate. 
It's don't care. bomb fog. Yeah, it's bomb foggery. And so <laughs> don't put up with it from Colts because they bomb fog better oh, than they, anyone. They yeah. use it to spackle over the cracks right. in their problems. But you know what? So do evangelicals and don't put up but with it. But since I want you to know who's responsible yeah. for Trinity Radio besides Dr. Yeah. Pritchett and myself, uh, I want you to know about our patrons real quick and then we'll get right back into it. Austin Long, William Schroeder, Steve Fraley, new one, uh, Josh Stribling, Annette Barnes, Paul Wayne Sims, i got to be careful. There's an anonymous person, Robert Gillier, uh, Billy Wendelin, Armin Jacob Paulson, John E. Miller Jr., Brian McNulty, Ian Buchanan, Brian Roden, Eleanor Meadows, Kurt Jaros, Ernest Strauss III, Scott McCauley, Brandon Nicholson, Kendra wow. Buck, Boydria Gonzalez, Benjamin Fogler, um, or Fogler, I'm going to go with Fogler, Austin Eakin, Second Yang, and Jonah Krylo. 25 patrons. But... And this month, we're still not to our yeah, goal. And our patrons who get the extra episode are going to see what we've actually spent the money on. And so let me just go prove ahead. Prove that we're not just buying ourselves lunch every week. And let me just tell you that now the person responsible for getting you your stuff is that man right there. Which so means you won't get it. It <laughs> doesn't happen. It's not my fault. And and if we ever do forget, I'm sorry. We're trying not to forget, and we will make it up to you. Okay, back to the or we send you a broken statue like we sent to Robert. So the, Jeho the the New World Translation is a big is a big problem because it it's changes it changes it's a horrible, it ugh. twists the scripture. I mean, if you want an example of something that twists the scripture, this twists the scripture. The most famous example is John one one in I the mean, beginning. Any first year Greek student can see that this is bogus. They just look at it and they're like, no. Yeah. Um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God is the way it should be. But they have the word was a God. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, now let me let me help you out here a little bit. If you don't know this already, Jehovah's Witness theology says about Jesus. Because if you're wrong about Jesus, uh, actually Jesus uh, was before Jesus. The person who is Jesus was Michael the Archangel, and Michael the Archangel ceased to exist and began to exist again as Jesus. And so, uh, and he, and Michael the Archangel was the first created being. So Jesus is Michael the Archangel, who is a created being. That becomes important for understanding why they change these things in Scripture that they change. So um, Jesus is not God, but Jesus is a God because they can play with that. Is it? Um, do, do you feel this way? Uh, it, I, I prefer Muslims and Jews and Hindus, and atheists, and agnostics, every one of them I prefer and would rather talk to than these cultish Christian groups like Mormonism and, and Jehovah's Witness. Because it's less insidious than what, not not the, the average Jehovah Witness guy who got roped into this, or the average Mormon. Or even the guy who made this ever, video. Yeah. But, I mean, just the people who intentionally twisted and deceived Christianity irks me worse than other religions, you know? People I get what you're say. saying. So, so and, and I'm not, it's not a knock on the person who sits in the It's a knock on Charles Taze Russell. Yeah, not the average person who's just born into a Jehovah's Witness family, right. or you're born into a Mormon family, you can't drink Coke. You know, I feel bad for you, but, you know, uh, I just... This kind of thing drives me more nuts than false. Twisting of scripture, yeah. intentionally deceiving by twisting scripture, drives me nuts. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to talk about a cult of Christianity, um, Islam is the biggest cult of Christianity in the world because it affirms aspects of Christianity, but then Denies twists the it. So yeah, so I mean, I do, I do, I, I, I can't okay, say. Well, I I can't say that this is worse. But I, I, I can say yeah, that well, yeah. here's what's worse about this. I'll give you this: is they have taken the Bible as it is. Like they're not like the Muslims who are just saying Christians and Jews monkeyed with it. Yeah. No, they're they've monkeyed with it. They're 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 taking the Bible as it is, twisting no. subtly portions I mean, of it. I don't want to say here you go. Yeah, I mean I agree with you. Islam's the worst thing in the world. Sorry, it just there's nothing worse than Islam. Islam is bad for culture. Bad for uh, you know, being false religion. Bad for us, hell, maybe. Bad for, yeah. Islam is the worst cancer plague on planet Earth. Let's see if this video gets cut off by YouTube. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but it's still 
I don't, for some reason, like in evangelism, it, it's just, it irks me to see people just, oh, yeah. the, the, the New Testament, because they're not, even Islam, they're like, well, we have this 3.0 Quran, right? Right. But they don't do that, even. They, they're they like trying to give me a crappy translation and saying, this is... This no, is the real thing. Yeah, no. Not that we'll tell you who the wizard so, behind the, the curtain is. Yeah, right? Islam is a whole other set of things. I didn't say I don't like Muslims, I said Islam. Right. We want right. to be careful. We don't ever want to be accused of bullying anyone. Yeah. We're attacking positions, not individuals. Right. I think it, I don't think Muslims all a lot of Muslims are terrible. Well, let's run through. But but not all Muslims are terrible. But Islam on the whole is terrible. Oh, Islam is terrible. Yeah. But, John but 8, it's a different problem than John 8. 58. It's a different problem than these this yes, problem. It well, that's for sure. John 8:58. Jesus said but, to them, but most Jehovah's truly I say I'm quoting Jesus so. before I allow them okay. to twist him. Jesus said to them, Most truly I say to you, before Abraham came into existence, I have been. Mm-hmm. I have been, is the New World Translation. Okay. Romans 9, 5, To them the forefathers belong, and, uh, from the, and from them the Christ descended according to the flesh. God, who is over all, be praised forever. Amen. Colossians 1, 16. Because by means of him all... Uh, now, now, here's where I want to highlight. If Jesus is Michael, and Michael is is the first and only direct creation by Jehovah, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll then see why it's important for them to add the others, the others in here. And by the way, they've bracketed these off now. You can go look at their New World Translation like on their website, jw.org or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But they've bracketed these off now because of pressure, but they weren't originally bracketed yeah. off. And here's what it says. Because by means of him, all other things, this is Colossians 1.16, all other things were created in the heavens and on the earth, the things visible and the things invisible, whether they are thrones, the lordships or governments or authorities, all other things have been created through him and for him. Um, so so this is why they're, they're, they're hanging on this. Uh, okay, he was created, but all the other things besides him were created. By, mm-hmm. Because Jesus is Michael the archangel, a created being. Uh, Colossians 2.9, because it is in him that all the fullness of the divine quality dwells bodily. Yeah, where do they find this in any manuscript? Instead of the fullness of the Godhead or deity. As the right, where do they it. find this in the manuscripts? Well, they don't. They have to insert this They just make it up out of thin air. They're making stuff up. But this is but this is what I'm saying. I'm not going to go through the rest of them. But why? how come we know this and the Kingdom Hall pew sitter doesn't know this? Because this is the primary difference between Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses. The Mormons are, you're going to have a, maybe a more successful time talking with them because everybody knows this. All the apologists point this out. They know a very broad uh, theology. Like they, they have something to say about everything. When we did the Mormonism episode, I said everything they, every, every term we have, theological term, they use that term too, but it means something different. Yeah, plus Mormons, they always admit their theology is a transition. They're like, yeah, we've changed it 4,000 times. You know, I mean, made edits to our religious documents, and yeah. doctrine and covenants, and all this other stuff. They, they admit that. Jehovah's Witnesses, right. You know? So they, the, but the point is, the Mormons have this broad theology that yeah. is very thin. They don't know it very deeply. Right. Whereas the Jehovah's I mean, Witnesses, it's, and it's some narrow. Some people think that Mormonism may eventually turn out to be, you know, they may eventually say, yeah, we changed so much that we're now just going to be orthodoxy. Some people have said that. Say that again. Some people have predicted that they're going to change so much that eventually they're just going to arrive at Christian orthodoxy. Oh, they're going to tweak it until they get back to Christianity. Yeah, and then chunk, <laughs> then and then chunk everything, and then. Well, that'd be nice. Yeah. You know. uh, but anyway, but the Jehovah's Witnesses know a very small amount of different stuff, mm-hmm. but they know it really well. Um, uh, James White, who's done a lot of work on this, I know you love James White. He no, says, he's not that impressive he to me. Says, he says that, but uh, he says you can take a housewife um, with little education and talk to her about John 1, and you won't get very far. She knows it really, really deeply. Uh, you, you, th- like, they know this to such a depth that they don't, like, you don't, th- they can talk about it in their sleep. And so you think, oh, I'm going to talk to him about John 1, 1. I know how to handle this. And, like, your first-year Greek student, like mm-hmm. you're talking about, and, yeah, well, be careful, because that housewife knows what she's talking about. <laughs> because she has this memorized to an incredible depth. So you might want to use one of the other scriptures to start off with. Mm. All right. Um, they worship Jehovah as the only true God and freely speak to others about him and his loving purposes toward mankind. I'm quoting what the video guy says. 
Uh, anyone who publicly witnesses about Jehovah is usually identified as belonging to the one group, Jehovah's Witnesses. Well, of course, unless you've been kicked out. You know, there's a guy who's going around debating people on this, who was a Jehovah's Witness, and he was kicked out because in order to debate, he had to study a bunch of the, uh, a, a bunch of material from naysayers, and they're not allowed to do that. So, uh, so he got kicked out. So yeah, maybe unless you get kicked out, but what about this Jehovah business? What, what, is Jehovah the name of God? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, it, it's almost certainly closer to Yahweh than it is Jehovah. I mean, yeah. almost certainly. Yeah, and it messes up a lot of good songs. You know that these are the days of Elijah. Is that it? Uh, there's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. I mean, it's fun. It's not, when you're in the middle of a worship service, that's a good. That's a good. I chance. don't have a problem with people using the word. I don't Jehovah. care I mean, either, honestly. Whatever, but you know. Um, and if the Jews are right that you shouldn't be saying his name. <laughs> then they get off the hook on a technicality. <laughs> but it's probably Yahweh, and we call that the Tetragrammaton. It's the divine name. When you see in your Bible, LORD, in all caps, um, that's probably Yahweh. Uh, if, but the Jews tried not to use it as much, so uh, like to speak it or whatever. And so a lot of times you'll see Adonai. Um, but if you see LORD in all caps, it's probably Yahweh. And it's it's Hebrew uh, does not have these vowels, so you have yod hey wow hey, mm -hmm. and it's without the without the vowels in there. You have four characters, and so how do you pronounce that? So if, if the Y were as a J and the and the W in our transliteration were a V, you might get something like Jehovah. But now we know scholarship has arrived at probably not probably Yahweh. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's to that's to unpack that. But they are insistent that it's Jehovah based on that kind of a mistake, uh, probably a mistake. And they like the songs, huh? And they like the songs. And the songs are fantastic. I mean, I don't know about their songs, but the songs we have that have Jehovah, pretty good. Pretty Jehovah good. Jehovah Jireh. Yeah. My provider. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. He is. <laughs> All right. Uh, not that Jesus is part of a trinity, but that as the Bible says, he is the son of God, the first of God's creations. He had a pre-human existence and his life was transferred from heaven to the womb of a virgin, namely Mary. Okay. The trinity. And this is great because someone asked us about the trinity uh, in our question and answer. We didn't get to it. Mm -hmm. So we were asked about it in Sarasota. We were asked about it in Sarasota. Who answered it? I think we all took a stab at it. Maybe. I don't think we got that in the one that was recorded. No. So, do you want to talk about the Trinity? I don't care. Go for it. I'm talking too much. One being three persons. Simple. Done. Next. Yeah, see, their view of the Holy Spirit is that the Spirit is not a person. The Spirit is a force. and uh, So, all the personal pronouns like he. Right, they're gone. Yeah. So it's just the Holy Spirit's not. A, this is something you have to remind Christians. The Holy Spirit's not an it. It's a he. Right. But they speak of him like he's an it, and so not an know, it. The, the so, Holy Spirit's a he. So Mary became pregnant by Holy Spirit, like it's like it's water or something. You know, it's so anyway. Um, because of that, and they're okay, and, I mean, and what this guy says is, if the Holy Spirit is a person, then you have three gods. Which is what you just clarified. No, it's one God who exists as three persons. Mm -hmm. right? Eternally existent as three persons. And somebody asked us in, in a QA and a for this, ep for this show, in a previous episode, well, everybody's talking about all these bad, problematic illustrations for the Trinity. Is there a safe, good illustration for the Trinity? Yes. Yes. It's on your coffee mug. Yes. This, this is one good reason to have a triangle as an emblem for something. No, we're not a part of the Illuminati. You know, I guess we might say that if we were, but we're not. Um, the, you the, have to ask Billy Wendland, he'll know. <laughs> yeah, Billy Wendland. Special Agent Wendland. Yeah. But no, the, the Trinity is... Uh, is. I'm not saying we're not, not a part of the Illuminati. I'm saying we're not, no. but you might expect me to not say we're not. A triangle has three distinct points, and each point is not the same as the other points. It's mm -hmm. its own point, but mm -hmm. they're all three a part of one triangle. That's, that's simple. 
That's it's not problematic. Yeah. Now, is the Trinity one being three persons is, is, easy? Is the Trinity difficult to understand? Yes, but it can be illustrated rather well, and that's how the history of the Christian faith has done it. When Jesus is not praying to himself when he's on the cross talking to the Father, that's a distinct person. He's talking to another person, um, but. Well, the Jehovah's Witnesses, Jesus being created, would say that, yeah, we agree with you that there's two different persons, but there's only one God. One God, right. Who is one person. Right, right. Just like Islam says that. Right. Which is horrible theology. It is horrible theology because that's not what God is like. And what we yeah. want to do in this show is ask the question, is Christianity true? And if so, what is it like or what does it say? And the, so, but here's, here's what I want to ask you, Dr. Pritchett. Whenever these fidget spinners came out, everybody threw a fit in the theology. Well, that's not that's not a fair representation of the Trinity because everybody was saying, oh, here's a good example of the Trinity. Because it was kind of cool because you had the three points, but you could spin it and it actually blurred them, you know, mm -hmm. and all that. Um, I don't want them blurred, but a three-pronged fidget spinner as it is, it's trying to... The, the point of spinning it was one fidget spinner. Okay. Three. I, I mean, it was still one fidget yeah. spinner before, but... <laughs> Look... Do you have a problem with the fidget spinner? I would trinity? use it to teach kids to start with. I, 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 yeah, I, this this idea of well, you know, there are you know bad analogies for the Trinity. Yeah, yeah. One, but they're also helpful to teach what bad Trinitarian doctrine is. So I'm glad we have those too. Yeah, a terrible example, a terrible one that you hear sometimes. Water is ice. water, steam, and ice. Yeah, that's modalism. Yeah, that's that's not that. But yeah. it's helpful to teach what or modalism is. Or I'm a father, is. but yeah. I'm also a son, and I'm also a brother, yeah. Yeah. or whatever. Right, yeah. you, that's, yeah. you're just one person. Right, that's, that's one bad. person. You right. can't have that. That's modalism. You, you want one God who exists as three persons. Right, and that's it. Done. One being three persons is category keeps so categories right, and everything that fine. solves this. Yeah. All right, God's kingdom is the only hope. For for mankind, that it is a real government that will that it will soon destroy the present wicked system of things. God's kingdom is the only hope for mankind. It is a real, and I'm going to read that one. I'm going to pair that one with the next one that he says. Okay, 144,000 spirit. There we go. There it is. Spirit anointed Christians. These are individual individuals. <laughs> will share with God, Christ in His heavenly kingdom, ruling as kings with Him in His heavenly kingdom. They do not believe that heaven is the reward for everyone who is good. Well, Orthodox Christianity doesn't believe that heaven is the reward for everyone who is good. That's it's for everyone who believes. Right. Uh, God's original purpose for the earth will be fulfilled, that the earth will be completely populated by worshippers. That's of a change Jehovah. in doctrine because once Jehovah's Witnesses became more than 144,000, they Well, had to okay, it, yeah. but let me finish his point first. Okay. Maybe he'll address it. God's original purposes for the earth will be. Okay, so understand these spirit anointed 144,000, they're going to go to heaven. But not every Mormon is going to heaven. I mean, Jehovah's, I mean, Jehovah's Witnesses, and certainly not every Mormon, <laughs> if this well, is true. None of them are going to heaven. Really. God's original purpose for the earth will be fulfilled, that the earth will be completely populated by worshipers of Jehovah, and that, they, that these will be able to enjoy eternal life in human perfection. Okay, now, the earth, so you've got a heavenly kingdom and an earthly kingdom mm -hmm. on Jehovah's Witnesses uh, theology. And so the anointed class... These 144,000, they're going to be in the heavenly kingdom, but everybody else is going to be in the earthly kingdom. This is why whenever I was 20 years old, young Braxton Hunter, uh, knocking door to door. Um, like a Mormon. <laughs> or a Jehovah's Witness, right? <laughs> right. Um, but, but no, as, a, as, a, as Jesus sent out the uh, disciples to do. Amen. I, I, was, um, I encountered a man. And I was asking him the key question of the faith soul winning program, which is what I, how I did my evangelism at that time, which was, in your personal opinion, what do you understand it takes for a person to go to heaven? And he said, what do I care? I'm not, I don't want to go to heaven. I want, I'm going to be right here on earth. I'm, not, I'm a part of the great crowd. I'm not part of the anointed class. Don't plan to be. And I was like, what? <laughs> I had no idea what he was talking about. I figured out, though, when he rambled on about 144,000, because I knew that much. But here's the thing. You will probably not encounter someone from the anointed class because of what Dr. Pritchett has just pointed out. It The 144,000, I mean, we're talking about all the way from the early church to today in their theology. 144,000 uh, is, is a lot, is not a lot to, to have in the anointed class. And so what today they do to keep track of who's in the anointed class, you're never probably going to run into one, but what they do is they have what we would call the Lord's Supper. They call it the memorial banquet. And they all get together, and they pass the elements, the bread and the wine, 
and most of the time nobody ever takes. It just goes through the whole place and nobody ever touches it. Because if you touch it, if you take it, you are sending a message, I'm in the anointed class. I'm one of the 144,000. And they do believe there are people, about 10,000, who are alive today, I think. It might be less than that now. But and now, if you go in just to kind of prank them, and you go in and, and they've never seen you before, and you take it, they, and they don't know you, and they don't know your history, and they can't establish your history with the Job's Witnesses, yeah. you're, you're no, it's, who cares? You're just Pritchett Prime in there causing trouble. Just being a jerk, yeah. But, but if they know you and you take it, now they, may, they keep a record of that. And, uh, and so it's, um, but, but Jehovah has now stopped putting people in the anointed class and, uh, and because the end is so near. By the way, we don't have time to get into that too much, but they have a, a history of failed prophecies about the end. Mm-hmm. The end has always been coming. In fairness, so do Yahoo dispensationalists. Yeah, but even most other dispensationalists call them out. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying yeah. we've got our... Like Harold Camping yeah, yeah, of, got, in modern days. And then the 180, or, uh, 88 reasons Christ will return in 88. Right. And then the follow-up, 89 reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, you know, like yeah. I said, I, I I always have to remind our audience that we're honest brokers. We'll call out our own garbage too. Yeah, there are people who've claimed to be Christians, and this is not a true Scotsman, no true Scotsman fallacy. There are people who've claimed to be Christians, and maybe they were. I don't know. I don't think so. If they're a false prophet, they're a false prophet, right? But there are people who've claimed to be Christians and gotten this wrong. I think if you claim to know more than Jesus, there's a problem. Right? Jesus said, "The Son doesn't know; only the Father." Right? <laughs> Okay, so, but what happens to you and me? Now, this brings us back to our, uh, and by the way, the best stuff that's going to happen in this episode, as far as I'm concerned, is about to happen here in just a second. So, when you, if you die today as a non-JW, mm-hmm. what's going to happen to you is you'll get a second chance. In the millennium, you can accept the truth, pass a test, that the great crowd also has to pass of already Jehovah's Witnesses, and you get a chance. If the if if Armageddon happens today, which it could, you get no second chance. You, but you, but it's okay. You'll be you'll just be dead. You'll be annihilated. Mm-hmm. So that's not too bad, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be annihilated, but it's not like they're pushing eternal conscious torment on us, right? Which this is one reason why people like rethinking hell have been have been unfairly, in my opinion. Uh, guilt by association, yeah. accused of of being like Jehovah's Witnesses right. because they share this doctrinal point. It's like saying, right? "Oh, you share the doctrinal point of the Trinity with Catholics, therefore you're Catholic." Therefore, you're, right? Or you baptize babies, Presbyterian, so you're not Reformed, you're Catholic. Shut up. Right. Okay. Right. It doesn't work. Yeah. So, uh, but here's the thing. So when I'm talking, this is Young Braxton Hunter again. Not much of an apologist at that point. Just preaching the gospel talking to these guys a year later after I asked them, remember, tell me about the New World Translation, tell me about Jesus, they show back up. They said, we don't know about the New World Translation, you got us there, and they told us what I just said about Jesus. But they had brought back up, the cavalry had come. And there was an older man and a couple of women that were there, and I end up talking to this guy, and I say to him this, now this is a little, you know my thoughts about Pascal's Wager. I'm not the biggest fan of Pascal's Wager. Sorry, folks, I'm not. But I Pascal wager the guy a little bit, and I'm not even sure I I'm knew about. I'm a fan it. of it. I'm not even sure I knew about Pascal's wager. I like. I'm a fan. You of like the Pascal's wager? I like Pascal too. Oh, I like Blaze Pascal, and I like his wager. I want to know what when he's the stakes do. are so high, it is important enough that you go better make the I'm sure. Period. Yeah. Well, I agree that it works as a good tool to get people to go check out further. Mm-hmm. Um, but on its own, I don't think it's. But because you can never be sure that you're erring on the side of God. Pascal's wager, for those that don't know, is it's safer to believe than not to. Mm-hmm. And you hear preachers do it a lot. It, and I did it. It's safer to believe. If, if your choices are atheism or Christianity, you should choose Christianity. Because if atheism is true, you'll I'll, I'll just end up being as dead as you if I'm a Christian. Yeah. But if Christianity is true and atheism is false, then you're going to have hell to pay, right? Mm-hmm. Um the problem is you can never know for sure that you're erring on the side of caution because there's at okay. least Islam. Soteriology aside, though, look, we, we've we got to stop acting like if you believe Christianity is true, yes. okay? Yes. Then those stakes are real, and you gotta, you you got to put those stakes to people. And yes, it is actually a wiser decision to take the wager 
an error on the side of Christianity. Well, sure. Now, that's I know people are saying that's not how people convert to Christianity and that whole debate, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? No. It's actually smarter. You are smarter to believe in Jesus than to not believe in Jesus, in a sense. There's a sense in which it's better to do that than to not do that. There is a better... There is Tim a McGraw sense. was on yeah. Bill Maher, and Bill Maher asked him, why are you a Christian when you know all this stuff is bunk? And he said, well, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm just kind of, it's just in case. Okay, yeah. Pascal's wager on its own, which is what I've said, mm-hmm. merely gives you just in case Christianity, which I do not think God is pleased with or honors. No, but I, I don't, but it, it's the same thing that you said it's okay if some people come to Christ in an altar call because you scared the mess out of them with hell. Yeah. Same thing. But it, but it can't just be that. No, I agree. But well, if, that my gets, only point. if that gets you in the door, are we not confident that the Holy Spirit and the God, whatever means God uses, even if it's Pascal's waiver, yeah. wager, I have confidence that if real discipleship happens, Christianity is so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with That's that. What I'm saying is on its own, right. it's not enough. Fine. And if I'm talking to someone who doesn't believe and they say, why should I believe that Christianity is true? I say, well, it's safer to believe than not to. The stakes are higher. And they're like, okay, well, how do I know it's not Islam then? And you say, well, and then see, you've got a problem there. Then you just have to do apologetics with regard to Islam. Right, but that doesn't so, take away from the wager. No, I agree with the wager insofar as if you're using it as a feature to get people to look further right. into Christianity, then I like that. But if it's on its own Tim McGraw style, yeah. just believe based on the wager, I think it's not good enough. Yeah, that's not good. I just you don't stay with the wager, but I don't have a problem. With okay, the wager. well, there you go. Yeah, where I like the wager is if somebody comes to me and they're like, "I'm not sure I believe anymore. I'm not sure I'm a Christian anymore." I'm like, "Well, are you still scared of dying without Christ and being separated from God for all eternity and going to hell?" And if they say, "Yes, that terrifies me. That's why I'm talking to you right now," I'm like, "Okay, well, then you probably already that's it. Like you use Pascal's <laughs> wager as a test. Right. If you're that concerned, you're probably still right, believing." Yeah, yeah. Because you would, if you didn't believe, you wouldn't be concerned like that. Right. Anyway, I was talking to this guy, and I used a variation of Pascal's Wager that came to me on the spot. I never read it anywhere, but I said to this guy, I'm like, okay, you're telling me that if you're right and I'm wrong, I'm just either going to get a second chance, best case scenario, or worst case scenario, if I'm alive at Armageddon, I'll just be annihilated. He's like, yep. And I'm like, well, it's safer to believe my way. <laughs> He's like, what? And I said, well, if you're right and I'm wrong, I'll get a second chance or be annihilated, in which case I won't know anything or care. But if I'm right and you're wrong, you'll have hell to pay. Mm-hmm. right? And, he, and, and at that point, he said, I've got to leave. You're disturbing my faith. <laughs> he left. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so anyway, that, that's, a, that's an important point for yeah. people to consider. <sighs> okay, the last and most fun thing to discuss. Okay. And the very origin of Pritchett Prime. Mm-hmm. If, for those of you who don't know what we mean when we say Pritchett Prime, so we have a little you. video on that, the origin of Pritchett Prime, on the youtube.com slash Braxton Hunter. Mm-hmm. But the dead are conscious of absolutely nothing that they are experiencing, neither pain nor pleasure in some spirit realm, that they do not exist except in God's memory. Resurrection is their only hope. Uh, and then they also, last thing he says, we're living in the last days. Okay, we fine. So, the... This is like, so when you die, they do not believe in an immortal soul. So when you die, you are just dead. Mm-hmm. Annihilationism is true. But even if you're a believer and you die, if it's like a physicalism. You don't exist except in God's memory, like this guy says. Mm-hmm. The only way you exist, the only sense in which you exist is in God's memory. And so your only hope is that he resurrects you. But here is not only my problem with this doctrine, but also with physicalism. Mm -hmm. And I know we have physicalist listeners, at Mm -hmm. least three. And here's what I want you guys to to understand. And they already know this, actually. The ones I'm thinking of have already looked into this. But physicalism says you don't have an an immaterial soul. And so... When you die, you're just de- they're Christian physicalists too. I don't mm-hmm. think everybody knows this. Yeah. There are Christians who believe you don't have a soul or a spirit or whatever. The and soul the just means you're alive, yeah. you know. And so if you when you die, you're just dead. You don't exist until God resurrects you. The problem with this is what is called the continuity of identity problem. Right. If you don't exist, 
at all and your body decays. You were just your body and your body decays and is gone. And then God later, just by his memory of like what your DNA was and who you were and maybe the memories you had or whatever, builds you again. There's no continuity of identity. See, on our view, the spirit continually exists throughout that whole thing so that even though your body dies, your spirit continues on and can inhabit this new body or be made integrated with this new body such that now you're still the same person. But without that, there's no continuity of identity. And that that we're calling a resurrection is merely a reconstruction. And it's not, it's a copy. It's not you. You're gone. You don't exist anymore. You never will exist again. If that's all you were and your identity is. It's like saying you believe that Star Trek kills Captain Kirk in every episode. When he yeah. beams down to the surface of a planet. Right. Unless he has a spirit that goes there with it, which we have no reason to believe. Right. Right. Yeah. So when you watch Star Trek, <laughs> physicalists, just Captain understand that, that we have had probably thousands of Captain Kirks. Yeah. Or at least hundreds. And uh, it, you've never seen the same Captain Kirk twice between episodes if he beamed. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it just completely annihilates him and reconstructs him somewhere else. The particles that were... Right. In the buffer. So, now, in the buffer. how do I know that's true? Well, here's a thought experiment for you. And this is Pritchett Prime redo, redux, mm-hmm. right? Okay. If we had an artificial brain over here, and we'll call it Pritchett Prime. And it's an artificial neural net. By the way, we're working on these in Japan. There's a group called the ARC that I think has one already. And, and, and Ray Kurzweiler, who makes the Kurzweiler keyboards and also has written books like The Age of Spiritual He's Machines. He's right? Or yeah, he wants to survive death somehow. He's not a Christian, as far as I know. He might be. Sorry, Ray, if you are. But he wants to survive death. He wants to live on forever. And, and at least in that book, The Age of Spiritual Machines, his hypothesis is if we had this artificial brain, this artificial neural net that was as powerful or more powerful than the organic artificial net, and we were to able to use MRI technology to copy Pritchett's brain and put it on this new neural net, that if this worked, and I think this would be true if it worked, is all the memories, everything that Pritchett ever experienced would all... This new android would wake up and he would say, it worked. Braxton, it really worked. I'm over here and I remember getting married. I remember my kids. This is where in the previous video you said, there's a Michael Keaton movie about this. Mm-hmm. But I remember all these things. And it would claim to be Pritchett and be and believe or speak as though it is Pritchett. Mm-hmm. Ray Kurzweil says that now is Pritchett. His consciousness has gone. Mm-hmm. But wait a minute. Pritchett Actual is still over here. Mm -hmm. And what's Pritchett Actual thinking looking across at Pritchett Prime? He's going to say, nope, that's a copy. I'm still here. I'm still here, guys. Ray Kurzweiler's theory is then kill the original when you create the... How does that that solve the problem? If you see the problems with that, then you see the... It's raining outside. I don't know if you guys can hear it. But if you see the problem with that, then you see the problem with you dying and God, not, not a trans... Not a, not a transmission of your soul, but just a new you created, that's not you. There's no reason to think that that's you. And by the way, this year I've read several physicalist papers on this, several Christian physicalist articles, and I think they all fail fabulously. Yes. And so I'm waiting for somebody to give me a reason why they don't, but that's why we're not Christian physicalists, and that is a big problem with Jehovah's Witness resurrection in which case, you have no hope if you're a Jehovah's Witness. Right. Either way. So, um, he had said a bunch of other stuff. The video is like about three times longer than this, but they were all like practical, everyday, how Jehovah's Witnesses function. Like, they don't go to war. They don't run for office. They don't, you know, stuff that is not truth they claims. Yeah, like, they don't stand you know. up for the national anthem. When I was a kid, all the Jehovah's Witnesses in school would never stand up for the pledge. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> Is there a big Jehovah's Witness population in, in Arkansas? Mom-El, there was a few. And you yeah. just traitors. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> not traitors. But, you know, I mean, I was like, you know, we were all little kids, stand up, say the pledge, and they, yeah. they never had to. They don't celebrate birthdays and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you're not coming to my party because you wouldn't bring a present anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's kidding. right. I'm kidding. Um, so. Not kidding. 
You're sorry, not sorry. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's why. So that's our response to why I'm a Jehovah's Witness. If you are a Jehovah's Witness watching this video, thank you for doing what you're not supposed to do and seeking out truth and following the evidence wherever it leads. In the words of Anthony Flew, let me invite you to consider the truth, the biblical truth that Jesus is um, one member of the Godhead that he is God incarnate, God in flesh. Only that way is it meaningful to say that he could die for the sin of the world and uh, take your place and my place, that you could ultimately actually survive death, not just because you're gonna be recreated, um, but because you can know that when you die, you can go to be with the Lord and forever be with him. And when he does recreate the earth <laughs> and make it great, then you can, I almost said make, make the earth great again. When he does, when he does, that's horrible. When he does uh, resurrect the earth, you can be a part of his kingdom, the one true kingdom of God. And you can do that by repenting of your sins, uh, trusting in him uh, for the forgiveness of your sins. I think it's appropriate to pray and tell the Lord that you want to do that. Just tell him that you know you're a sinner. You believe that Jesus died and God raised him from the dead, as Romans 10, 9 says, and confess that and uh, believe and then live according to what Jesus taught. You go to a real church. Did I say anything there that was theologically problematic? No. All right. And so we want to invite you to do that. And as we close the show, we also want to say that we are proud members of the Trinity Commission. Also, Leighton Flowers handles Soteriology over at Soteriology 101 and Billy Wendelin and Matt Chisholm over at The Bible Brodown. We've already talked about Steve Gregg at TheNarrowPath.com. Those are all shows you need to check out. If you stumbled across this episode, guess what? You have a whole group of new friends and you need to put them all on your podcast listening device. Also, where do they need to seek out the possibility of becoming students, Dr. Pritchett? www.trinitysem.edu Sign up, fill out an eval, take courses with Leighton Flowers, with Dr. Hunter, Dr. Chatham, Dr. Bugwagler, others, uh, me. Dr. Pritchett. Yeah, Dr. Elliot, Dr. Hunter. We got professors for days. You know? Yeah, and. All of them are world class. And if you'd like to support this Gregg, show, you know, yeah, Steve Gregg teaches here. If yeah. you'd like to take, uh, if you'd like to support what we're doing specifically at Trinity Radio, you can go to patreon.com slash Trinity Radio or you can click somewhere up here if you're looking on the screen, and we would love that. Please do that. Um, we're, we're reaching closer to our goal, and we think the show is getting better and better and better every time we get a new patron. There are things that you don't see that are subtle changes in this room right now that has to do with lighting and things like that that is because of our patrons. And so, and we have a very exciting thing to tell you about in an upcoming episode that I just can't wait to tell you a partnership of sorts that we now have that I'm just frankly giddy over. So, um, do you want to lead us out? Bye. If you would like more content, click here and keep watching Bible Studies, click up here. And finally, we want you to subscribe. We need more subscribers, so click here.